0: At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Mackay Becton, ladies and gentlemen. Human beings that large should not run as fast as Mackay Becton did.
2: Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately he got the handoff. You know and <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Listen,
1: thank you. From the jet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for the mailbag. So we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal. Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, what's going on, buddy?
2: Uh, Not too much. You know, just uh, watching a little NBA playoffs, getting ready to talk to you about some lovely Jets football.
1: Lovely Jets football, indeed, because there's actual football to talk about. We've been covering the training camp practices, and we will keep doing that with OTAs. And then once full training camp gets in gear in July, but it is nice to see these guys out on the field at least doing something with that in mind, let's jump right into the mailbag with one of our favorites, Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, keep up the great work other than Lawson and Curry. Which edge rushers do you think have the most hope this year? Also, do you think the starting right guard is currently on the roster? First part of this, I think your most likely candidate to do anything this year off the edge other than the two guys you mentioned Is Bryce Huff I don't believe in Jabari Zaniga. never did I don't expect much from him so that's what I would say and as far as the starting right guard yeah I think that starting right guard probably is on the roster it's going to be one of several people Mr. Fihihini will be in the mix as will Van Roten as will Lewis and as will Cam Clark so most likely one of those four guys will step up and get the right guard job and the other guys will provide some depth
2: but yeah, when it comes to the edge, I mean, obviously taking away loss and that would be the the obvious go-to answer there. I think someone like John Franklin Myers would be a good fit in this defense and play well, but he'll probably end up inside um, a lot more, you know, uh, maybe new guy, Ronald Blair, if he can stay healthy that they just picked up from 49 years. I know Robert Sala it really loves him there, but uh, uh, Bryce Huff would probably be the odds on favorite there. Just the, the safest bet. Uh, to be able to contribute. It's I, I wouldn't have like super high expectations about him there, but the cupboard cupboard is pretty thin still, in, in that area, it's great that they actually went out and got Lawson to address that. But it's still a little thin behind them, so I'd I'd say Huff there, and yeah, this, with the right guard, uh, unfortunately, I it's always possible, of course, we will wait and see uh, training camp cuts who's going to be a cap casualty, but right now it's, it's hard to envision um, unless you get a scenario, which I know we have questions of later about Morgan Moses, unless they end up signing him and they do something with him and or whatever. I, you're going to most likely be looking at one of the guys on this roster. I just, Teams are not in the habit of cutting good offensive linemen right before the season starts.
1: Next question comes in from Fergus OB. He asks about the backup quarterback situation. Says Mullins or Foles makes sense, could happen soon And then NY Jets Fanatics asks Is there any world in which we should all be okay With the idea of James Morgan as QB2 What would he have to do for that to happen So let's start the first part of this The Jets don't seem to be in any rush to add a veteran They probably will, but it could happen at any time I don't think it's going to happen overnight Who knows, it could happen in a week in a month they don't seem to be pressed to do anything there so I wouldn't really sweat it and then as far as James Morgan I don't know how realistic it is to think that Morgan would be the backup quarterback especially since he didn't get a lot of reps in training camp last year he didn't play a single snap it seems pretty silly to have him as the guy sitting behind a rookie quarterback I suppose it's not impossible if he lights it up in training camp but I don't think that he's going to end up being the backup. So that's what I would say in total. They probably will add a veteran. I don't know when they don't seem to be in any hurry to do it. And I would be stunned if James Morgan ends up being the backup.
2: Yeah, I I still think they will add a veteran. Um, You know, again, I, I don't think Nick Mullins exactly has a bunch of teams knocking down his door right now. So they're not in any type of rush. I think part of that, they probably just want to get uh, Zach as many number one re- reps as possible. And even that, if they brought him in and gave him uh, a backup and gave them all t- two, uh, number two reps, that would give less reps for Morgan and White, who they're probably still trying to figure out which one of those they want to keep around as the third QB. Um So I think that probably plays into it. I just also think that there's just no urgency right now. It's not. This it's a weird thing because it's also it's like why uh, stop messing around? Just go get somebody who can be competent if you need to. Uh, But it's also what's the rush? Because there's nobody out there that's going to be a different like a difference maker for you. So I think they're kind of stuck in that mode right now, just thinking what's the rush we'll get one of these guys later. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see if that's actually what does end up happening. It w- in my opinion, would be a huge mistake to go with uh, Morgan or White. Like, what would they need to do for me to feel comfortable with them as a the number two? I mean, become a new person? Like, it's somebody who was a better quarterback? Um, because I don't, I don't think either of them have the ability to uh, – for me to trust that they can run the offense competently this year. I, I just I don't know what I would have to expect the leap I would have to see in either of them for me to even a quarterback friendly system like this, uh I I that would be asking too much for me right now to take that leap to feel confident. Uh, they, I mean, they would have to light it up in training camp and preseason, uh, but even then I'm going to be skeptical. Uh, I just, I don't think you can expect either of those two to realistically run a offense smoothly and a competent way.
0: This podcast is sponsored by ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this for the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com easy. ramp.com easy. ramp.com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: Next question comes in from Joe Horning. He says, with Jamal Adams looking for $20 million a year and being the 10th best safety, according to PFF, does that mean May is looking for $25 plus million being the 7th best safety, according to PFF, or do the salaries go down as the rating goes up? I don't know if Marcus May is looking for $25 million, but if he is, he better stop looking for $25 because he's not getting anywhere close to that. Also I know that we like to joke about PFF But here's the reality As much as we like to dump on Jamal Adams And as good as Marcus May was last year for the Jets Jamal Adams is clearly a better safety than Marcus May He's also younger He hasn't had as many injuries And he's going to get paid a lot more than Marcus May That's just the way it is I don't know what to tell you But no Marcus May is not getting paid 25 million dollars I would think that if anything, he might get around half of that per year. Whether he gets from the Jets, we'll see, but he's not getting anything close to whatever Jamal Adams eventually gets.
2: First, anytime a question like this is always presented, I always want to point out a player looking for something doesn't mean anything. Like I, I'm looking for a hundred million dollars for making my eggs in the morning. Uh, like that, that's great. You players are always going to look for as much money as possible. That doesn't mean they're getting it. Um, they definitely aren't, uh, using PFF grades. Uh, I definitely, I, I do think you can make a case as Marcus may as a better safety, just because there's so many safety things that Jamal Adams can't do. Like when you can't cover, uh, anything outside of like a five the five yards past the line of scrimmage limits your ability as a safety, but Jamal going to get paid more than Marcus because of the sacks. That's, that's undisputable. Uh, Marcus is going to get, get, uh, if he gets a long-term contract, he's going to get top five-ish uh, safety money, but it's going to be, uh, you know, it, I wouldn't get too concerned about the, the actual deal because it would probably be if the Jets do it and they sign them before the season starts, it'd probably be a five-year deal, which is really just a two-year deal or a four-year deal, which is really just a two-year deal. So even if you're worried that it's an overpay, you're still just overpaying for a year or two. Uh, I I think I'm going to try to drive this home as much as possible because we need to kind of get our brains out of this for so many years. Fans had to worry about, players getting signed to like a five six year deal and then they'd be saddled with a bad contract at the back end that doesn't happen anymore because they're two or three year deals all of them so uh, he's going to get top five ish you know maybe it's top six but he's going to get top five ish safety money um but it's not going to be anywhere near 25 mil and again looking for it is a, a different thing than getting it.
1: I don't agree that you could make a case for May over Adams And certainly not May as a better football player overall than Adams But either way, regardless of where you fall on any of this As you said, no chance he gets anywhere close to as much as Jamal Adams is going to get Next question comes in from Gus Toon He says, if the Houston Texans knocked on the door and offered Watson straight up for Wilson What would you do? We had another question about this in the mailbag somewhere And I forgot who asked it I love Deshaun Watson as a player. Let's put the accusations aside because I don't want to talk about that since we don't really know where that's headed and we have to see how all the facts play out and all of that. But that ship sailed. That's done with. They drafted Wilson. He's going to be their guy. There's no trade for Watson. These theoreticals are pointless. And at this point, there's no way... That the Jets could do it anyway Even if they really wanted Watson still Because there's still too many questions Regarding what's going on So, Wilson's the quarterback Watson is not coming here That's all I have to say about that
2: Yeah, I mean I, I, If I was in charge I'm not trading for somebody with all this uh, There's been nothing New that's come out That would make me feel like he's exonerated Uh I'm not uh, assessing uh, the validity of the case or not, but I'm not trading for somebody with this up in the air that's not happening. And regardless of whether the, even if you go hypothetical that he's completely exonerated, it's too late. Uh, Joe Douglas drafted Zach Wilson. He is married to Zach Wilson. Now he is not going to go and try to upgrade to uh, somebody else. Now he, he has, pot committed to Zach Wilson. I, I that is how it works. GMs draft somebody that and the, hasn't even played a game yet. It's not you know if we're talking two years down the road and he hasn't shown anything. Maybe he'd be more willing to make a move right back. He, he's Zach Wilson hasn't give done anything to uh, make uh, Joe Douglas second guess it yet. He has an opportunity yet. Uh, he he's not budging. There There's no way he's budging.
1: Next question comes in from the real Barry Allen. He says, with Vincent Smith not looking great, do you see Barrios taking his job as the sixth receiver or seventh receiver, or is it going to be someone else? Could be. Maybe Vincent Smith does well in training camp. Once you get to that point of the roster, it's not really anything that's set in stone. Somebody could come out of nowhere. Lawrence Cager could do something. They could bring in somebody off the waiver wire. Basically, what I'm saying is Beyond Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, assuming he doesn't get cut, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, and Keelan Cole, anything could happen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything could happen, but I'd, I'd put uh, Barrios as the favorite, and a large part of that is because of his special teams, ability to play special teams there. Now, maybe... Somebody else pops up in camp uh, in preseason that cements the, that special teams role, and that doesn't work in his favor anymore. But even then, he still a, a can do enough. We know enough, and I'm not expecting anything from Vincent Smith or Jeff Smith really. Uh, you know, maybe at Lawrence Cager there, but again, uh, there there is the uh, the special teams lean of uh, Barry. Very- unless someone else takes it. So I I put Barrios as the favorite, but it's it's like a a you know, he's like a plus 135 favorite. It's it's not I wouldn't recommend putting money on him to make the roster.
1: Next question comes in from Meyer of NYC. He says, "Hey guys, you alluded to a clock manager on the podcast recently, but I didn't quite get what you were referring to. Could you please elaborate?" Yeah, I was talking about Dick Curl, who was brought in to help Herm Edwards manage the clock when Herm Edwards was the head coach here. And he's not the only one. The Jets have had numerous coaches who have had this issue, and this has been a problem for a lot of coaches across the league, have had issues keeping track of the clock, making the proper clock management decisions. So Curl was brought in specifically to help Herm Edwards deal with that. I think most teams now have somebody who's tasked with that, whether it's a specific person who's brought in for that purpose or it's just somebody on the staff who has that as one of his responsibilities.
2: Yeah, it's just somebody whose their only job is to, to really to pay attention to the clock and uh, the the game situations. So they're not worried about play calls like the specific play call. They're not worried about all that different stuff. They're just focused on that. And they get to say in this moment, like, use a timeout here or go ahead and bleed the clock here or we need to get to hurry up. They they need to be the one that sits there and points this stuff out to the coach because the head coaches have a tendency to get lost in their own like thoughts about the next play or setting up the we're going to run this to set up the next play. And there's so many different moving pieces going on, and then they kind of forget to lose uh, – pay attention to the clock. Uh, Andy Reid is another example who has struggled with this mightily over the years and cost himself numerous playoff games because of his poor clock management. So it's just a, an assistant coach whose only job really – they might do some analytics, you know, like this is the time to go fourth and two – or not but sometimes those are two separate jobs but it's really somebody who's just prepared to handle clock management in specific games uh situation stuff
1: next question comes in from nick madden he says what defensive rookie is the best chance to make an immediate impact and why and do the jets just plan to forfeit games if zach wilson gets hurt Why haven't they signed a legitimate backup yet? There's no way anybody can think Mike White or James Morgan are legitimate backups. So as far as the defensive rookie that has the best chance to make an immediate impact, I'm going to give you two answers on this one. Michael Carter II and Hamza Nasraldine. Hamza Nasraldine, I think, is going to end up being the best player that they drafted on defense. He is really, really good. He's somebody that would have been a first or second round pick if he hadn't gotten hurt. And by all accounts, he seems to be pretty close to back to where he was before the injury. Special kid. He can do so many things on the field. Really has incredible instincts. Great leader, all of that. You heard the show that we did on him with C.J. Wilson from the Unconquered Talk podcast. So I think he's got a good chance to be the best defensive player from this class. And the other one is Michael Carter II, mostly because in addition to him being fairly impressive on tape... He seems to be in line to potentially start at slot cornerback. So if that happens, obviously he'll get an opportunity to make an impact above a lot of the rest of these guys. And as far as the backup quarterback, like I said, I just don't think they're in a rush. As Chris joked before, it's not like there's a huge market for Nick Mullins or Nick Foles. So the Jets are just kind of laying back and seeing what happens. I would like to see them do something. I think they will at some point. But it's not at the top of their list of things to get done right now.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Michael Carter too as, as the answer here. A uh, large part, like you said, the opportunity for him to have uh, that slot job is there. Right, right, right week one, he, that opportunity is there. He could get that possibly. Uh, I like Nas a lot, and I think uh, he, he might have the best chance to have the best career out of the guys that they drafted here. Uh, but as far as year one uh, impact, I think Mike Carter, slot corner, is a relatively easy adjustment to make. Uh, as far as uh, making the transition from college to pros, and again, the opportunity is there for him. I, I, I think you got Nas. You're going to see him in limited doses probably this first year, and and you want to see him get stuff down and build on it going uh, down the road in the future. But I think just the, he's going to get, Michael Carr is going to get the most reps there, the most opportunities. And I think he he's up to the task to, to handle that slot corner job.
1: That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you check out everything Chris is doing at jetsinsider.com and follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at jetsinsider and check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com. And the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed over there yet, go ahead and do that. We've got film reviews. We've got Kayla Pace's commentaries, Pace's playbook, and a whole bunch more. So subscribe. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the podcast if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time. Doesn't cost you any money. But it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.